evolution of education in healthcare has seen, well, it's been at an inflection point, literally, with this pandemic. My children are now spending so much more time online in absorbing information. I've talked to pharmacy students, particular a P2, right here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, my tiny little town, which is south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And she was telling me that uh, they're doing about half of their classes online um, now at this stage of the pandemic, not even when we are at the height of it. And what's happened is, is the absorption of information and how we're collecting information and how we're learning as a culture, I don't think is ever going to return to what it was before 2020. I think we're now in a pace of absorbing information and education in a way that um, really opens up the doors to entrepreneurs. And, you know, one of our network partners is CE Impact, who delivers a tremendous amount of content to us in educational-based content and was the first podcast that actually did some CE as well. My name is Todd Yuri. I'm the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and I have an amazing guest today that's going to actually dig into the evolution of education based on his own background, Dr. Christopher Bland, PharmD. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Todd, really happy to be here with you. Heard a lot about you, and uh, you uh, just enjoy the time we're going to spend together. Look forward to just chatting and having a fireside chat on education. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you're really interesting. Your background combines because my my dad, for example, always makes fun of higher education. And I think it has to do with, um, you know, he was an electrician, so he went into the trades. He didn't go get his education. I got my education in business administration and I wanted to get my master's in business as well. And I never got to that point. I kind of regret it. And I've always thought that I still want to pursue it because it, it really interests me. Education in general interests me and in the way that we consume information. I happen to consume information, obviously, as we can tell as a podcaster through audio, but you have such a rich background. You're a researcher. You're a clinical practitioner. You have over 20 years with internal medicine, within critical care, and, and one of the most fascinating sectors of your uh, background in life was in infectious diseases. And in today, you actually are taking all of that information that you've accumulated and you're empowering the future generations of pharmacists at the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy. So what better person to bring on today to really talk about education? So why'd you wanna become a pharmacist? It's a good question. Uh, you know, the, the, the furthest back I can remember was, uh, and it's funny, Todd, because what I'm about to tell you, I would tell most people uh, not to do. But um, <laughs> I, uh, as, as we all make mistakes, right? So uh, going back to ninth grade, honestly, I remember being in math and chemistry classes and uh, my father is actually a retired pharmacist, but honestly, I don't know that that had much to do with it. Um, it was more about just the science part of, of the job and just loving the uh, science and math component of that. And I, and I loved, I was, I was actually used to be a really shy person. So I kind of always envisioned myself, you know, working in a, a community pharmacy. Um, and then kind of my life changed when I had an organic chemistry teacher during my pre-pharmacy time that really opened me up to the idea of what we call now clinical pharmacy. But, um, you know, just the idea of, you know, being an educator, uh, going into academia or, um, you know, uh, working in a hospital or a health system and 
So that's kind of how it started. Um, but, you know, one of the things I try to tell my students now is that, um, you know, open, I read a book, you know, as you know, Todd, books kind of change your life, right? So I read a book about a year ago called Range. And it basically talks about how generalists thrive in a specialist world. And I, I say that a lot of that book is kind of geared towards gaining experiences or sampling a lot of different areas to really figure out what you want to do. And so, you know, for anybody who's listening to this that maybe is still trying to decide if pharmacy is what they want to do, I can tell you it's a great field with a lot of different areas within pharmacy many of which, I mean, you're an entrepreneur yourself, you know, um, there's a lot of different areas that people don't talk about that are outside of mainline practice that are very, very enjoyable. I'm going to put a show note down in there because that book by uh, David Epstein is very interesting. It says, why generalists triumph in a specialized world a book released in 2019, uh, which expands um, on points of his previous book, called The Sports Gene, Inside the Science of Extraordinary Athletic Performance uh, to make a more general argument against over-specialization. Right. I really want to return, and thank you for mentioning that because I love books, so I'm definitely going to have to pick that one up. I want to return to the evolution of education from your perspective because I don't teach students. You know, I, I'm, I'm a form of a kind of a strange teacher and we do have a new educational division um, called audiorx.study but um, you have you have so many quadrants of being a teacher you have seen things as the pandemic became heightened in february march of 2020 tell me from your perspective how has education changed in its delivery yeah so one of the things i'm most proud of is that so just to give the the listener kind of an idea of where I am. I work for the University of Georgia. Um, my I am at an extended campus. So I'm in Savannah, Georgia, uh, where we have approximately between third and fourth year students, around 40 to 50 students a year. So I teach a lot of classes um, to second year students that are in Athens. So none of those students are necessarily here live with me. So I've been teaching on Zoom since 2015. <laughs> and so I've had to get used to, okay, what is it like when, um, you know, you're, you're teaching a lot of people that aren't in the room with you? So from an evolution of teaching standpoint, I, I would say it's been happening for a number of years anyway, but then the pandemic kind of forced our hand to really try a lot of things that we didn't necessarily know we could pull off. Um, and so the, the College of Pharmacy was among all the colleges on campus at, at UGA and I'm sure other universities. We were kind of ready for that. You know, a lot of pharmacy campuses, health campuses are spread out among uh, different cities. And so how to communicate well with a student. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed, Todd, for me is I teach this class on uh, basically once a bacteria susceptibility comes back. Like, how do you pick an antibiotic for that? And one of the things I liked about some of using Zoom and some distance technologies is I've got the whole internet right on, right on my other screen, and I can easily bring that up and bring a picture up. Things that would have been very difficult sometimes in class in the moment, it allows me to prepare a little bit better. Um, so, 
I would say, you know, the, the student, we get a lot of feedback from the students, you know, some students I had like you, I have, I have three kids two they're in high school and, you know, they, they like the in-person component. I don't know that that, I mean, that will always be important to me. Um, but at the same time, opportunities to leverage this technology or mentoring sessions or Q&A and things like that, using the chat functions as a component. I, I don't think the chat function will ever go away. Right. We've been talking about that at our school is that a lot of students are not going to get on the microphone and ask me a question. They're just not. Um, they're scared. You know, I, I tell them day one, Todd, I say, I will never embarrass you in class. That's not how I operate. That's a bad environment. But what I do is I've noticed a lot of the chat function questions, a lot more people are asking questions than they were even when I was teaching live in front of a whole group. So I think what it allows is a kind of a pressure free or less pressure zone to ask important questions that, as you know, are probably on multiple students' minds anyway. Um, and so I've really enjoyed that aspect. Now, you got to be you got to be quick on your feet because you're you're speaking, you're trying to cover your material, you're, you know, making sure, oh, am I putting that on the test or not? You know, is is, uh, you know, oh, somebody's in the chat. I need to get that. And uh, so it's, it's been interesting, like balancing all those aspects. And, and I'm teaching to four campuses at the same time, most of my classes. So all of those things kind of are in there. So I, I agree with you. I don't think it I think this has changed everything forever and how we're going to do higher education, especially. But I think there are aspects of distance technology uh, that are, that are going to stick around, especially with the interactive component. Yeah, I think that um, the traditional, you know, showing up at a campus and um, you know the rise of online learning was 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 there anyway. Um, the pandemic's really accelerated it. Um, what do, you know, the the engagement that you're talking about, um, uh, Chris, is amazing because I've noticed that too. It, when I'm listening, my I'm at the studio right now, and out in the conference area. My 11-year-old, uh, Lola, is out there online with her teachers right now. And the reason is, is they're transitioning back to school, but um, uh, it was a snow day. So they reverted. There is no such thing as a snow day anymore where you get right. out because you're, you're now engaging online. But I noticed that when she is online, she tends to talk more, which I thought was the opposite, than she did when she was in school. And I think the element of that, and this affects our um, higher education learning students as well, and our pharmacy students, is in learning, there's an aspect of needing to be heard. You need as a human being to feel in the realm of communication, even for shy people, that you have a position in the realm of education, in the realm of your preceptor or professor that's out there um, talking with you. And if you aren't heard, then were you even present that day, mentally present or physically present um, to really engage and absorb that information? Um, so tell me about your students' engagement. Tell me how online, kind of dig into that a little bit deeper and in, in the impact that it's made on, on, on obtaining information. Yeah, so I would say that it it 
based on early returns, there's been a lot of varied responses. Um, there are some students that flat out tell me, you know, they really, really prefer to be in person. Um, so just to I give do. you an idea. I do. Yeah, I do too. Right. So I want to be in person. Like I, my strength is connecting to my students and, you know, trying to get them to build a trust within me. Um, and so they prefer in person. Uh, and definitely we do that. I mean, our school, you know, when I teach, you know, I usually have about 20 students in person, non, non COVID. Okay. Um, and right now we're doing a hybrid model. So essentially for our third year students, one week they're live in the classroom with me the next week they're on zoom and then they alternate to kind of stay in their bubble uh, to try to protect them. Um, so what I would say is that, you know, from the interaction standpoint, um, one of the things I like about uh, a Zoom or, a, or something like that is just kind of one-on-one meetings. I taught a class uh, last week, and after class, a student who's in Athens, who you know will, will be here next year, uh, live with me in Savannah, really had an interest in infectious diseases. And was like, is there any way I could talk to you about that as a career field? And there's something different about on the phone versus me seeing you there at the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, there's just this, this trust that is built um, from the beginning. So there's a way to do that, I think, that's very helpful and very meaningful that will help grow that student, not only um, you know pro- personally, but also professionally. Um, so we're taking all that feedback in, and I try to use it uh, to be able to modify how I do things. Yeah, we want to be in person and we definitely want to do that. There's accountability that, you know, can only be gotten that way. Um, but, you know, uh, I think, like I said, portions of this are going, I would like to keep going forward, especially the interactive component. You know, like you said, the days of just I'm lecturing for an hour and a half and you either get it or not, those days are pretty, pretty over. I mean, TED Talks are only like 10 to 15 minutes, you know? So um, nobody can sit there and listen to me. And I tell them that. I'm like, I know you can't listen to me for an hour. I mean, it's hard to do. So just getting interactive, getting to know them a little bit. I ask them like their hometown and maybe something they, they then, you know, maybe something they like to do for fun. Right. And it's, it's so interesting to see how they interact with me after that. Um, that they, they feel like you're not just there to do a job. You're there to, to really be an educator and to care about them as a person and then also care about them being a really good pharmacist. And I think those two go hand in hand. There are aspects about your pharmacy, your education career that cannot be done online. And that's probably the, obviously the lab environment. So how is that being managed right now in, in this day and age? And, and, and is it, is it, as effective or even more effective because of the excitement. You and I, for example, Chris, we want to be in front of people. I'm a people person, so I like that. Whereas you might have a student that's not as, you know, might be more introvert or something. But how has the um, the in the, the balance between online and in, in person, have you seen um, a better absorption of education per se, for lack of a better term, uh, when people are, are getting together in the in the lab environment? Yeah, so uh, we published a paper, uh, it came out a couple months ago in uh, JACCP, where we looked at our class, Integrated Patient Care, and 
that class typically is a class where, you know, people are live and then at the end they do a practical. And in that practical, you know, they're face to face with me in a room and uh, they, you know, give five minutes presentations on like working up a patient and then giving me a plan for how to address that patient. And we found definitely a drop off in their retention and their ability to absorb, uh, you, know, you know, a complicated patient and work them up. So I do think that, you know, based on that paper and our research that especially the more complex, like the higher the level of learning and kind of put, you know, I teach a class on, you know, skin soft tissue infections. Okay. Pretty, pretty cut and dry. You know, here's skin soft tissue infection. Here's what causes it. Here are the treatments. Okay. But then you get to a class like that, like integrated patient care and the whole, and the key word there is integrated. So the idea is that you're getting a patient. You don't really know exactly. They have a lot of problems. And so for a pharmacy student trying to put all of those problems together, I think the accountability of having that student in front of you is really, really critical. There's some classes here, okay? For example, mock code. That's where we take students through a code scenario. We're doing it tomorrow, okay, here at our campus. And there's really not a way to do that virtual, you know, not of any substance. There's something about, you know, uh, you know, having it live in person that, you know, some classes just kind of like you said, labs, you have to do that. And those have, have gone well. Um, obviously, we, we, we take important measures to not have as many people in the room. So normally I teach this class locally once. I'm doing it twice this year so that we can spread people out more and, you know, not have as many people in the classroom at a time. So but um, those aspects are things, the more complicated aspects that I think having in person are really, really important. Um, you know, in my background, I, I spent 15 years in clinical practice before I came into academia, which is very strange. A lot of people come into academia right out of training. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's what I saw a lot when, you know, I worked in the ICU and we were training medical residents and students. I mean, there's just something about being live to touch in person um, that you can't duplicate online. So I think going forward, what's going to happen with education is figuring out what those components are and being strategic about how we use them. Yeah, I, I like that because I'm thinking of that keyword balance in your education and understanding how people learn. Um, I have a, um, a pharmacy student I work with who is a P4 um, a talented uh, researcher and also a TikTok star. She does okay. podcast networks, TikTok. It's called RX Talk. We actually got that tag, RXTOK. And her name is Alex Nigels. And she is just passionate about being a pharmacist. I think she wants to go into health system pharmacy. And she, you know, I reached out to her when we released uh, several um, supplemental learning tools, certainly not CE-based. It's just um, pharmacists, pharmacy students developing content for other pharmacy students at their level using, mm -hmm. um, you know, words and, and personalities and cadence um, as if you were sitting at a coffee shop discussing, you know, a disease state. And I said to her about the opportunity to engage and, and take advantage of all the audio. And she's like, you know what, strange to say this, but I am not an audio learner. You know, I, mm. I learned by writing. I learned by, um, you know, obviously reading 
And I learned by even more so video and watching the expressions on people's faces as they're talking. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So when I look at you and your background, Chris, I'm thinking, so, you know, schools of pharmacy right now are under a tremendous amount of pressure. And one of the pressures is how do we design educational based programs for our P1 through P4s that engage them where they are and then balance the world of the pandemic impact to remote learning and transitional learning and virtual learning and then combining that with the at the right time uh, engagement with your professors and your teachers so that we can have a balance there so what has the school done and what have you done? And also, which is very impressive about your background, because I can just keep digging in. You also have um, experience with the university learning systems, uh, university learning systems as really a, a subject matter expert in helping to kind of round out better education. So in your opinion, how do you do that? So the first thing I think it, UGA has done a, a really good job with us specifically and making teaching a priority. So, you know, when I get evaluated every year, uh, you know, teaching is uh, the majority of what I get evaluated on. I do research, I do, uh, you know, service committee work, uh, both lo locally and, and uh, nationally. But, you know, teaching is a priority for our students. And so uh, that's been the case from day one since I stepped on. That's why I took the job. I mean, who leaves a government job after 14 and a half years? Yeah. That's kind of crazy, right? When you think about it. But I had just, I had seen on the Augusta campus, and now I wanted to really develop that for the Savannah campus, um, where we have great relationships with our students to be able to, to do those things. So one of the things we've done is we've, we've uh, hired uh, in the last few years, you know, we're, we're really getting more teachers, more what we call academic professionals. So to be able to help provide, you know, a sound, we changed our curriculum uh, right as I got here, I, I, about 2015. And it was much more intensive in the sense of holding students accountable for, you know, recitations and getting to know them on a smaller group level. So many times, um, Todd, I'll, I'll have a student come to Savannah and I'll mention a faculty member that I was having a phone call. They're like, oh, well, that was my recitation leader. <laughs> and and so I've, I've really picked up onto that to say that we're, we've done a good job really having smaller, smaller groups to be able to break down those areas and topics very well. I mean, our our board scores have always been you know really, really good. And so I feel like we're we're doing a good job getting students to to understand what they need to know to be a successful pharmacist. Um, I, and, and we have great instructional design department. I, I can't brag on their names, Russ and Katie. They, they're like, you know, they're like part of my family because as instructional design folks, they are as nerdy as I am about infectious disease. That's how they are about instructional design. And we have a whole department just really committed to being creative, yet being reasonable with how we carry out all of these curriculums that we're graded on by, you know, ACPE and others that are really, you know, evaluating our program. So the instructional design folks work with us directly to do creative things in the classroom, whether that's, you know, games that we can bring into the classroom. Like I love, 
uh, what's it called? I'm, I'm blanking on it now. It starts with a Q, but I'll think of it in a minute. Um, it's a game where, you know, at the end of class, I'll say, all right, we're going to do a 10 question quiz and whoever wins, you know, I'm going to send them a, uh, one of these, one of these, you know, it's like a, it's like a giant microbe. This is MRSA staff, right? And we'll do that. And they get into it. You know, they're just loving like the competition. And um, so our instructional design folks helped me to carry that out. And so the, we, we just got faculty that are passionate about, you know, hey, let's not just do the same thing all the time. Like this has allowed me to reevaluate everything. Like how do I how do I do this in an effective manner and get engagement? And it's it's bringing in games. Gaming's a big part of of teaching now. It's you know, but at the same time, Todd, it's also professionalism. Like I tell them that hey, this is not we're not here to have a game. Like like this isn't a game show but we're going to have fun learning at the same time. And I, I try to strike that balance between I am your professor. You know, I do have high expectations for you, but at the same time, this isn't going to be stiff and stodgy yep. and you're just going to sit here and listen to me for the whole time period. Much more interactive. And it has to be when you're virtual to really get anything out of it. Otherwise you're finding yourself falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like the other day, uh, you know, I was in class and, you know, I just said, you know, I, instead of a question that normally I would just ask the class and wait for a response, I typed it into the Zoom chat and I said, tell me what you think about this. And I bet you I got eight to 10 responses per question. Awesome. And that doesn't happen in class because there's one microphone. So, you know, and that allows you to get a sampling uh, of what where people are with their thought processes. And that allows us to be able to really say, okay, well, maybe I didn't teach that well, or maybe this is something I left out that I should have had in there. So those are the things that allows me to see more of where the class is. The key is I want as many people participating in that as I can. And sometimes the same people participate over and over again. That's why I say they're usually the people that really want it in person. So I try to get them to uh, participate as much as I can. Different people. Absolutely. That's incredible. I want to invite you back to really dig into the evolution of our education in the pharmacy sector, how it's going to continue to change and, and how there are going to be supplements um, to, to continue education. You know, it when you graduate with your PharmD, you take the NAPLEX, you have your license, that's the beginning of your education. That's not the, the ending of it. And uh, champions like Dr. Timothy Guthrie, who is a contributor and founder of ID Stewardship, who you are actually on that as a contributor. He's yeah. a teacher. I look at him when I'm on when I'm on Twitter and he tweets out questions and I'd say eight out of 10 times, I have no idea what the answer is because I'm not a pharmacist. But <laughs> He puts it out. I'm like, you know, this dude is a teacher. Like he, he is. is literally out there teaching people about infectious diseases and he's engaging. He's funny. It's fun to follow. And I think the best teachers are absolutely the best communicators. I think I had made a really good teacher because I love communications. I love talking. I love digging into yeah. concepts and getting other people's feedback and, you know, and bringing up evidence-based statements that are hard to argue, but then getting participation around um, around the topic. But we have to have you come back and bring some of your colleagues back. As a matter of fact, bring Timothy back. I think it'd be awesome to have. Oh, him. I would love to do an interview with Tim. That would be the best. I've known him for years. He is he has done a great job with ID stewardship. But 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I really feel like I have the best job in the world. I mean, I, I love teaching, educating, uh, researching. It, it No day is the same. And that's what I really like about it. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview. I can't wait to get the interview out for our Pharmacy Podcast listeners. If you are listening, please let us know that you got a chance to listen. Um, your Twitter ID will be in the show notes. So uh, Chris, uh, Dr. Bland's uh, Twitter ID will be all down there and just give us a tweet. Let us know that you, that you heard it and uh, and give us some feedback. Um, pre pretend we were uh, doing a preface to a to a coming unit that we had to dig into in the evolution of education and give us feedback. But uh, Dr. Christopher Bland, uh, University of Georgia of College of Pharmacy, we thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, man. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to part two whenever that happens. That's right. It's coming. You are All listening right. to Pharmacy Podcast Nation with Dr. Christopher Bland. Um, he's just an amazing educator and a champion. He's one of my favorites because he is a pharmacist, our favorite providers. And as always, I thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.